guys, welcome back to another episode of Strip by Thea, your podcast for strippers, sex workers, and all the fancy naked people in between. Today, we have a really cool guest that's coming on by the name of Mo Reese, and I kind of Twitter stalked him, slash scouted him out, and I slid into the DMs and was like, hey, uh, I heard about you, and you should be on my podcast. So who the hell is Mo? <laughs> Mo is a production manager, director, photographer, stunt dick in the adult industry. So in porn. So <laughs> I feel like I missed a few things here. Mo, how did I do? Uh, you did pretty well. Uh, you cheated and took my uh, Twitter header. So no, I can't cheat. The, uh, the, the, the tagline that many years ago I added to myself was average guy, not so average job. Right. And I've been doing the adult industry now for 13 years. Um, and so across that time, I have done uh, anywhere from production assisting early on, and then again, years later, I've managed companies, DVD offering, if you kids remember what DVDs are. Um, <laughs> I was head of production of Penthouse, uh, the video side of things for a period of time. Uh, I was on the board of directors of the Free Speech Coalition, which is the adult industry uh, trade association. Um, currently, uh, I'm also, I've been a photographer for 25 years, uh, 13 in porn, often on depending on who hired me oh, wow. uh, currently it, it, it's one of those things of an adult now everybody does everything right. so last week i was the production manager on two features in the middle of nowhere <laughs> uh, tomorrow i'm a cameraman on a pure taboo scene for adult time uh, about 10 days a month, I'm my cameraman and still shooter for Girls Way, which is also adult time because right now they help pay the rent. There we go. So holy crap. So you have been in porn and in the adult industry for a long time. So if I'm doing the math correctly, and you mentioned 13 plus years, but also I think I said on your Twitter, right on your Twitter, over 15 years. Is that is that correct? That's a long time. No. No, 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 okay. So the, the math, I think I'm coming up to there's there's a whole lot of numbers out there. Yeah. Because <laughs> I just use fake math. So uh, I believe um, the beginning of October of 1998 is when I was my first movie, and I that comes in at 12 years, 10 months. So wow. I'm rounding up. I was actually in my first porn DVD about <laughs> 17 years ago. Okay. Uh, it wasn't all anal gangbang uh, with a woman named Victoria Givens. And it was my rebellious thing that I did after my divorce. I showed up. I never ended up having sex with her, but I did get a blowjob as a, from a fluffer, which was actually a thing back then. Cool. Uh, named Lisa Sparks. Oh. So my dick was sucked on camera by Lisa <laughs> Sparks and it ended up in the DVD. So officially that was my first, but uh, wow. yeah, it's the, the numbers go everywhere. So. <laughs> Well, you were certainly across the board. Like, was this something that you knew that you wanted to get into? Or, like, how does one get in to the porn industry, deliberately or accidental or otherwise? <laughs> I would say essentially every part of my career in adult uh, has been accidental or just happened. Um, the roundabout answer of how I got into porn was um, back a little further in the early 2000s, I worked as a rental tech at a camera ha uh, rental house. Okay. Um, and uh, some porn shooters, some, uh, some of the old school photographers, uh, would come in and rent equipment. Right. A, um, a, uh, shit, I can't remember his name. Um, <laughs> anyhow, he came in, had been coming in for years. I left and one day he, out of nowhere, he texted me and said, are you doing photo assisting? I said, Sure, why not? This is, I hadn't seen him in five years. Um, so he goes, it's Naked Girls. And I said, well, I like Naked Girls. So <laughs> I've been currently working in advertising and photo assisting for celebrity work, things like that. So I'm like, well, Naked Girls, let's go. Um, <laughs> and I like money. So over the, sum, over the summer, um, uh, now 14 years ago, 13 years ago, whatever, again, fake math. Um <laughs> I was there and somebody was shooting a video behind the scenes and uh, said, Hey, would you, have you ever considered doing work in adult? Would you like to be a lighting guy? Sure. <laughs> so I came on a video shoot and um, I kind of got stuck there and I enjoyed it. I was in between work. And so uh, I stuck around. 
Wow. That was a long time ago. And now you've built this, your entire career <laughs> in porn. I call it the average Mo empire. <laughs> I like that. That's much better. <laughs> so like prior to that, you said you were a commercial photographer. I did commercial work, but I also worked with a uh, top um, advertising celebrity photographer. She was one of the top five females in the country. Oh, wow. uh, it was very high end. Uh, I started off as a photo assistant, then I managed her office. I was her film coordinator. Again, kids, this is way back when film was still a thing. <laughs> and so I was exposed to very, very high level. Um, I also shot some corporate stuff. I was shooting stuff on my side, but that job for about five years kept me very, very busy on my Wow. Oh my gosh. And then, then you transitioned over into porn. Like that yes. is like a bit of a jump too. And you, you've obviously, you've obviously shot other models and stuff too. You're still currently kind of doing that as well. Yes. Did you find the transition to be really hard um, in terms of like, okay, this is a taboo industry. <laughs> it's still looked upon that way. So what, what were some challenges kind of moving in to the porn industry? Um, I would say, and this is absolutely no insult whatsoever to the adult industry, mm -hmm. but I would say professionalism in mainstream, you're dealing with magazines and you're dealing with agents that are high end agents. When a celebrity shows up, they have nine people with them. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, you're dealing with a level where you have to be very, very professional on your shit at every level of course. in porn. Hey, you know, it was a lot more lax. It was a lot more casual. Early days, I saw a lot more, hey, you know, uh, it was people having sex in the bathroom, you know, the talent. It was like, it was, everything's fine, but you go, yeah. why aren't we rolling right now? Mm -hmm. eh, the cameraman fell asleep on the bed over there and, uh, you know, we'll wake him up in a minute. So, I mean, it was, the level of professionalism was a lot more lax. Right. And so that took some getting used to, to go, hey, slow down a little bit because you don't want to be the smart kid in class that everybody hates yes. because you're the one going, we need to get back to work. So. <laughs> wow. But it was definitely a difference. Um, I, I, funny enough, I have seen uh, some nude celebrities over the years, uh, but never having sex. So it was like, it was, it was kind of, uh, it was, it was like, Hey, I've seen this celebrity's boobs. Now I'm seeing boobs every goddamn day. So. <laughs> Does it ever get old for you? <laughs> Um, I jokingly say I'm jaded. I used to be a huge porn fan. Okay. Um, and uh, I watched a lot of DVDs back in the day. I currently watch as little porn as possible mm -hmm. uh, just because I'm around it a lot. Right. Um, I have a hard time. If I watch porn, I watch European stuff because I okay. don't know the people and it's a little harder porn than what you know, we usually watch here. Right. Um, but I would say I'm pretty jaded. I have seen essentially anything that can happen on a set i've seen it so it's like okay here we go again <laughs> i love that it's just so normalized for you That's well awesome. also i work on primarily i work on girl girl shooting right now and i have for the past couple of years okay i personally do not enjoy girl girl porn that is not my kink oh, so okay. when i go to work it's not i'm not I, these girls are my friends or i may look at a girl and go oh my god she's hot i'm you know, I'm still a guy and, you know, women are attractive, yeah. but at the same time, it's like, okay, we're watching two girls have sex again, it right. does, which does nothing for me. So. Yeah. It's removed. It's pretty much removed and doesn't do anything yes. for you. Interesting. <laughs> okay. So wait, a couple things here. So going back to, you mentioned a comment there about how porn in Europe is very different than porn and that's consumed say here in North America. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Um, I'm going to back up a little bit because I'm uh, going with the general assumption. It was European or Eastern European, uh, okay. a, a site say like legal porno. Um, and <laughs> I am a very open person. There's pretty much not a question you can ask or that I won't have that have an issue with, but things like legal porno, I personally like hardcore porn. 15 years ago, it was companies like Red Light District, Platinum X, that everything was double penetration. Everything was hardcore anal. It was, hey, a girl shows up and they bang her in the warehouse. And it was, that was the quality level. Legal right. porno has a lot of that same quality where it'll be three guys on one girl and doing that type of stuff. Personally, right. I enjoy watching that type of thing because I like the hardcore nature of it. 
So right. that so we don't see that filmed as much here in the U.S. Right. Um, and so it's uh, I don't know the reasons if it's budgetary, if it's the male talent isn't as comfortable here, mm-hmm. if companies don't find it sells. I don't know, but that's that, and it, what I like about that is sometimes I see a girl I know, but typically I don't know anybody in the videos, so right. it's a lot easier uh, to watch. To watch, yeah, and to consume and to enjoy as well. Exactly. Interesting, interesting. Wow. Okay. So wait, another question too, in terms of, well, I guess maybe your opinion on say American porn or North American porn. Do you think in comparison to Eastern European or European porn that's produced there, would you say that, because I don't actually don't consume a lot of porn myself, (laughs) but for porn that's produced here in the States, do you think that is, there is a lot of say, fetishized uh scenes such as like you know uh what do I say like Asian or like black like lots of racial stuff too and that being a selling point and like scenarios like my stepsister my stepmom and stuff like that and do you think that's common in in European porn too because I don't really hear much of that 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 I don't know because I like I said I watch very very little and I don't really pay that much attention it's pretty much I stick with the same small group of uh, stuff. Um, that being said, early in my career, yes, I did a line of movies that were called Mouth Club movies okay. um, in different genres. I took over from a gentleman named David Aaron Clark, okay. who was loved Asian women. This man <laughs> loved Asian women. And so he passed on, and the company that I worked for uh, wanted to bring back his line, and it was called Asian Mouth Club. Okay. Um, it did. You know, it was not. It was focused on these are Asian women. These are POV blowjob scenes, and that was pretty much it. Yeah. I did an interview beforehand where we talked, um, and I did uh, three in that series. Um, I expanded the series over to Latin Mouth Club, which was Latinas, um, right. a, a MILF one, and then I did one uh, that was called Young Mouth Club. Okay. Um, that was teen girls. And so it was the same basic concept where it was just taking a niche right. and expanding with interviews and what it was. Right. Um, yes, currently I see less, I feel, mm-hmm. um, race-based meaning beyond what we consider interracial, which is black and white, which is right. not my interpretation. My girlfriend is Latina. Um, you know, I'm white. We're an interracial scene, you know, yeah. and so that's kind of how I view it. But in mm-hmm. the porn standard of black and white, we see that a lot. Right. Um, the Asian titles, I don't see as much. Um, it could be that I'm not looking, but also I don't find that there is a, there's never been a high level of Asian talent in the Los Angeles market. Right. But right now it's a very, very low number that I see of the girls that are out there. So it just may be that there's not as much uh, Latin as well. Wow. So. But yeah, um, as for the family role play, (laughs) I work on those sets. And so I have the stepsisters, the stepmom, the stepdad, the any step, uh, step cousins, however (laughs) that worked. Um, You know, it's, it's a genre of porn that I don't necessarily, it's not my thing. I don't, I don't get off on that. Um, But it seems to be very popular. Yes. But I've also compared it to. Back in the day on the radio, you had the summer song. Right. And it was the song that sometime in late spring they started playing, and you're like, what the fuck is this? What is this song? I don't <laughs> yeah. like this song. And then if you listen to the radio station every hour, they're playing it. And by August, you're singing along to it, and it's your favorite song ever. <laughs> I kind of feel that family role play kind of maybe becoming that, right. where we've just become so used to it that we feel, hey, we're singing along. So. Yeah. It's almost like normalized now because I feel like, and you mentioned something there too with that metaphor that it's almost like it's a trendy thing and it's been a trendy thing now. And what what kind of trends, since you've been in the industry for so long, what kind of trends have you seen come and gone? <laughs> uh, when I first got in, I consider it that it was kind of the uh, the starting to the end of the gonzo porn era. So the mm-hmm. big gonzo companies like Red Light District, which was my favorite company. And they put out the Paris Hilton sex tape. So they they did a lot of gonzo porn with big name directors. Back then it was Manuel Ferreira and, oh shit. Um, Tim Von Swine did some stuff. I know Tony Rebus, I believe, did some. So there was Mr. Pete. So there were a lot of the guys uh, that, and guys, if you're listening, I'm so sorry that I forgot about you. Um, (laughs) uh, And I know there's many others. 
so that kind of was on the tail end features of what I started working on early on. And then parody came in. Okay. There was a parody of every show movie that they could think of. Right. And all the major companies were doing some level of it. Um, some were doing low, low grade versions of <laughs> I Love Lucy or something. Okay. To New Sensations with Leroy Myers was doing things like The X-Files and oh. The Big Lebowski. So that was very popular for about five years. If you could not act or look like a celebrity or things like that, you were going to start to have problems. <laughs> um, then it evolved into more cinema-looking movies with different equipment comes in because the evolution oh, okay. also comes with equipment. Of course. Um, so you saw more cinema and then, uh, you know, family role play became a thing and there was a lot of that. Right. Um, but you know, there was the, I like to call it the ass era of early in my career was yeah. big wet asses from elegant angel. And that was the movie of the year. Alexis, <laughs> Texas on the cover of big wet asses was huge because then every box cover became a white background with Alexis, Texas. On right. <laughs> So wow. I mean, those are just some of the trends, and that's from me from the area of porn that I was in throughout. Right. I went through a period of time as well. Uh, there was a DVD company, a movie company called Homegrown, which did hundreds of DVDs of at-home shot porn. Oh wow! I managed a company called Shot at Home, and this is eight years ago. This is where people on, in some cases, their VHS tapes were sending in old shot at home porn wow. and we would buy the content off of them and put it out on DVD. And this was <laughs> not porn stars. So the current okay. thing that we're seeing with at home porn of porn stars with mm. only fans and things like that, yes. I was already seeing this with the general public before a decade ago. Right. So Interesting. it all comes and goes. It Yeah. It all comes and goes. Like, do you think that there is more of, an organic need or, or want towards these kind of make at home videos as opposed to a whole production set with a whole concept and a storyline and stuff like do you think it's a shifting away from that kind of model i have equated it to um people magazine okay <laughs> for decades people magazine celebrities are real people too Look, mm. there's Gwyneth Paltrow at the groceries, uh, grocery store. There's Jay Leno at the gas station. Right. There's Brad Pitt getting coffee. They're real people. We like to see their things. Reality yeah. TV came in yes. um, 20 years ago. Then it was celebrity. Everybody loved the Kardashians. I was yes. a real world fan back <laughs> in the... We like to see how people really work. Yes. Now, if you can take your celebrities... And put them into reality shows, which we did with the Osbournes, yes. Anna Nicole Smith, I mean, Paris Hilton. They all did that. Mm -hmm. We didn't stop watching Ozzy Osbourne's concerts. We didn't stop watching. Now, the Kardashians, I'm so sorry. I have no idea what they really do. Um, <laughs> Me I, I neither. No it's a mystery. <laughs> but when we watch our celebrities, when we see Brad Pitt, if Brad Pitt had a celebrity TV show, we're not going to stop going and seeing Brad Pitt movies. It's a different thing. So, right. uh, for example, my girlfriend, Carla Lane, creates content, but people still, the, her at-home content, her personality, they get to see her, yes. but they still like seeing the hardcore scenes. I'm not having four guys come into my bedroom and bang her for 20 minutes, uh, you know, where it's lit and everything, because I just don't feel like it. Um, <laughs> so she can go do scenes like... Um, the Weight of Infidelity with Angela White and Tommy Pistol from Pure Taboo. Okay. If you have not seen that movie, if you've not seen that scene, it is worth the whatever admission it is to adult time. They gave it away for a period of time. That is a movie that to this day, three years later, two and a half years later, Carla still has talent. Other people come up. She has had girls literally crying because of the nature of the scene wow. because it's a, it's an hour-long movie about body body right. image she plays uh angela white plays a woman that is um being manipulated by her husband to control her weight while he's cheating on her with carla and he's a feeder and gets off on watching her eat and do things right this was a very intense hour-long movie wow. um you can't get that on OnlyFans. No. You can't get that acting level and quality level on OnlyFans. This movie is like watching Netflix. 
Interesting. So guys, you can watch YouTube <laughs> or you can watch Netflix. Take note of that. What was the name of that again? The Weight of Infidelity. The Weight of Infidelity. Okay, good. Good to know. I have some homework to do tonight. So. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, okay, I will be honest. I When I watch porn now that I work on, I watch it for uh, the speaking stuff because the sex I can fast forward through. Back in the day, <laughs> I fast forward through the speaking stuff because the porn's what got the job done. Yeah. To my recollection, currently, that is the only porno that I have watched from beginning to to end all the way through and there are two sex scenes in it um and it wasn't just that my girlfriend was in it it was that it was that good wow okay good to know guys that's gonna be in the show notes (laughs) fyi um but let's go pivot the conversation here too so you are dating carla lane who is also an adult performer as well like how did you guys meet how did you navigate your relationship any challenges around that? It's, it's a broad, big topic, but I'll let you go into it. I, I will. It, it's actually because I've spoken on it before, and it is a curiosity question amongst friends and industry members. Yes. Uh, Carla and I uh, have no have uh, been together now for close to four years. Wow. Um, we met briefly, for, and I'm saying with it for a moment, at AVN five years ago. It was her birthday. It was also the AVN Award. She was dressed as a princess because it was her birthday. <laughs> Good. Then she won BBW Performer of the Year. Right. We met briefly outside. Hi, how's it going? I was in a relationship. Um, and then I congratulated her. There was never a thought in the world except for it's a cute girl on her birthday doing her thing. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, coffee. It no, was coffee. No, it's not COVID. It's coffee. Um, uh, my COVID test came back this morning. I'm all good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Six months later, I was at a charity event that is held by the owner, uh, former owner of Penthouse, Kelly Holland. It's an animal charity, uh, and Carla was there. I bumped into her. We spoke for a little bit, and I just happened to be recording episodes of my podcast the next day. I said, I've never had a plus-size performer on my podcast. I'd love to have you on. She was there with her husband. We are in a polyamorous relationship. Um, So she showed up the next day at my podcast. I interviewed her for 45 minutes, having absolutely no clue whatsoever that this was going to be a girl that I was going to be in a relationship with. Wow. At that moment, there was nothing. Uh, I had a producer at the time, which also uh, was a a co-host on the the show early on. Um, She mentioned that she hosted at a sex club uh, once a month and had sex parties. And it was, you know, where she was the kind of celebrity porn it was a plus size BBW night. Okay. They kept trying to get me to go. And that's not my thing. I'm <laughs> not a sex club person. I'm like, no, 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 but I'm on my own show. And he's like, he goes, no, you should go do it. You can talk about it on the podcast. That's <laughs> good content. I went. <laughs> I went and it was a perfectly normal. Some people having sex. Yeah. Carla was a, her, she went around and played herself this bright little glowing ball of fun walking around with the microphone but hey you know and uh, all this shit hosting a party um (laughs) we ended up chatting and had a nice time and then i went back another month and we were texting and it was my 40th birthday and uh she came over and she goes uh, she was coming to my party i i was no longer in a relationship Mm -hmm. she was still married uh and she'd been married for 10 years at that point wow Uh, Almost 10 years. Sorry, nine years at that point. She came over and she gave me a blowjob for my birthday and a t-shirt that said, call me daddy because I was turning 40. (laughs) We had not had any sexual interaction and I'm very bad at being the person that initiates things. So she decided, because she's an independent woman, that she was going to take the reins and make this happen. Ah, I love it. (laughs) um, We ended up communicating more. We both thought this was going to be a quick nothing relationship she was like on a it was kind of a little rebound okay it didn't end up being that it changed very very quickly where we realized hey this a little bit of sex wasn't what it was Interesting. Um, so so yeah and so we've been together since then she does have a husband they they're 13 years i can't i can't keep track uh, and we're friends we're totally cool and everybody always asks does he know Yes, he knows. <laughs> yes, he knows. <laughs> yes. We we have walked the red carpet at the AVN Awards together, the three of us. Amazing. Uh, so is, she also has another partner that is out of town, mm-hmm. uh, and he comes in, and we have you know had you know we we.
we have all had sex together. Uh, the husband, I and Carla have never had any sort of sexual uh, thing together. That's okay. a boundary that I like to keep. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so we've, uh, we've been plugging along. We had, uh, we had added a girlfriend into the relationship uh, before COVID, but she was out of town and unable to travel to the U S uh, uh, and so it was like, Oh, we'd see her, uh, you know, and be able to communicate, but it just, it doesn't COVID kind of killed that one. So, oh, yes. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, it was fine. So uh, we're in a, we're in a great relationship and everything's going well. That's amazing. That's so good to hear. And thank you so much for sharing your story. I'm sure there's going to be so many questions um, in regards to polyamory as well and how to navigate through that to how to have a successful relationship, polyamorous relationship. Did you quickly want to dabble into that too? I know like, I mean, you love to talk, so. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I, uh, dabble into polyamory or yeah. into the porn side? Uh, polyamory wise, um, her, they have been in polyamorous relationships their entire marriage. Mm -hmm. Uh, she has been in the adult industry their entire marriage. So the idea of sex, uh, that aspect of it, 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 much like many, many people in adult sex is a commodity. Sex is something that you do with other people and you turn off the emotional thing all the time. So this is not a big deal. Relationship is where it gets to be more difficult. Mm -hmm. I'm not a jealous person. He's not a jealous person. She makes polyamory i would have never thought that i would ever do this she made it so easy so i mean so easy Uh, i get all the time in the world that i want sometimes more than i want sometimes (laughs) i just want time by myself and i'm like woman go home you got a man go right so so yeah so it works out it works out well and as for the adult side of it I have filmed my girlfriend having sex on my bed. Actually, technically it's our bed because we got it together in my bedroom. So it's my bedroom, our bed. (laughs) Um, uh, Anywhere from just standard boy, girl to her friends, girl, girl porn. I've shot a ton in there. I've gotten blowjobs from five or six plus size models in there. Uh, where we've done stuff together, anywhere from Courtney Trouble, uh, who is amazing. I did, uh, you know, we, we did a threesome in there to Michael Vegas, who uh, does a website. He's a male performer, has been for a long time, but does a website called peghim.com. Okay. I have filmed my girlfriend fisting Michael Vegas in my bedroom. Um, <laughs> let's see, Eddie Wood, female to male trans performer. You know, they did a scene, they did an amazing scene, and I treated it like any other sexy and that's what i try and do when i'm filming is hey guys we're just making porn yeah this is two people fucking and so when i'm sitting there with carla and eddie and talking i was like dude i'm gonna treat you like every other male talent quite frankly all you need to do is keep your dick hard (laughs) oh wait we're good because you're using a strap on perfect great (laughs) he did a scene just like any other male talent you know, did, did the thing, and the scene looks like a standard boy-girl scene. I mean, it's like there's no, we didn't fetishize it of going, ooh, it's trans, and we right. make a big deal about it. Yeah. You know, same thing with the fisting. Michael Vegas isn't being domed. Mm-hmm. It's something he enjoys, Enjoy, and yeah, those exactly. are the kind of things that I like. Is like when we do plus-size stuff, it's not about fetishizing the fat nature of things. Right. It's two women having sex, her and April Flores having sex now they have to do stuff for their fan base yeah but we're not making it fat centric right we'll go with that so that makes sense too there's a couple observations i had too in that conversation and also during this entire episode uh i noticed that you use the term plus size instead of bbw can you please explain uh to the audience too i guess maybe the political nature behind that or just i guess being appropriate in that term Sure. Um, so because I was on the board of directors of the Free Speech Coalition, I, uh, I do speak politically. Since I do, since I am a production manager, since I have been doing certain things, I try and be as, in quotes, PC as I can because yeah. it comes off as more professional. Carla won BBW Performer of the Year. Yes. And she is very, very proud of the fact that she was a BBW. She mm-hmm. has no issues with BBW. Her and I started talking as she was on the cover of AVN Magazine. She was in the first uh, plus-size movie that Penthouse ever put out. Oh. Um, she started doing brand spokesperson stuff of toys or whatever. And we started talking about the change of 
where say transgender used to be in very crude terms it was tranny porn it was chicks with dicks yes we've moved beyond that now i don't they identify as whatever they want. If if somebody wants to go through and goes, nope, my clientele, my people who want to call me a tranny and I'm totally fine with that, that's cool. Yeah. Transgender is the way I go. We're all good. When it came to BBW, we started talking about it and the basic way we did it was you don't go to the BBW section of Target. You go to the plus size yes. section. Correct. When she did the scene with Angela White, she was having women of all sizes come to her and uh, be like, oh my God, I've dealt with weight issues or not weight issues, or I'm too skinny or I'm too fat. Briefly, we had a cam girl that came over with us uh, that was a plus size performer and she wasn't in the adult industry, if you will. She was, she just came over. She did her first boy girl scene with me. She did her, you know, and she has, size j cup boobs she is when the circus comes to town i mean this is (laughs) she makes her money because she has tits the size of porn stars right and i remember there was an event called the xrco awards that she happened to be here with she had never been to an adult event okay and she saw angela white and she was so enamored by Angela. And she, I said, well, do you want to meet her? Angela and I are friends. We've been friends for a few years. Yeah. And she goes, Oh, I couldn't. Oh my God. She, and I was like, I was like, no, no, let's go meet her. And so I went over and I whispered, I was like, Hey, Angela, blah, blah, blah. I was like, Hey, you want to make a girl's night? Let's do this. She goes, Oh, of course. Angela, this girl was so taken aback that Angela was the sweetest, which she is sweetest woman ever. Angela's like, would you like to get a picture? Did the whole thing. And watching this woman close to tears because a, the biggest, arguably at the time, the biggest name in porn was acknowledging her presence. And so seeing with everything kind of coming together to see more people, it was like, you know what? This isn't a niche. These are women and women in middle America that don't look like the girls in LA can go through and go, wait, there's people like me. Why yeah. not take away big, beautiful woman and just go with, these are plus size women. These are women with curves. This is, whatever you want to do, plus size is the easier way to identify, you know, a girl who has curves could have a size, you know, 29 waist and an ass that's 40 inches wide. So plus size was kind of like, hey, I wear a size 16 and I'm sexy as fuck, yeah. and, but we're not going to fetishize it. So that was my very, very long thing. I apologize. No, no, no. Don't apologize. I definitely really appreciate that because listeners of the show, they're not all sex workers. Lots of civvies and civilians listen to the show too. So it's really good to have such a thought out explanation and you described it perfectly. So thank you for that. Thank you. And this is, this is, I I cannot, Carla and I have worked together. She is the most body positive person. I was going to say woman, person I've ever met. Um, and this has been kind of her platform for the past couple of years to really encourage uh, this, to take the position that she has in the industry to to do this, to go through and push that platform of going, you know, all women are beautiful. Yeah. And, um, you know, yes, this is a genre. Yes, this is something. There are guys who are specifically into women that are size 20 and above. That's fine. That's yeah. fine. We don't have to make it a fetish. I like blondes or I like brunettes. I like whatever. Yeah. It doesn't all have to be just a straight, oh, well, I don't fuck fat chicks. I'm not going to do that. You know, it's not, it's, it's like, these are women. And so this has been her platform and we together have been, um, you know, uh, really pushing plus size. So. That's awesome. I'm going to have to like <laughs> send her a DM to come on the show as well at some point. Cause... You will have so much fun with her. <laughs> That sounds great because I've only ever had one other plus size, but plus size uh, sex worker on the show, uh, Karina Riviera, who's an escort, but that's like a completely different area too. So I'm going to have to like slide into her DMs later. So, <laughs> But you mentioned early on in the episode that you were working again in the industry. You were out in, because you were based in San Fernando Valley, I think, in California, yes. right? Yeah. So you yes. were doing some shoots and also you have, you have more work lined up as well. So are things starting up again in the industry? Yes, th- things uh, th- uh, in no way, shape or form are things like they were before March 13th, which was the last day I was on a set. I started on sets last month being 
sorry, I, I always love these time frame things. Uh, it was uh, mid July is when I went back to work. Okay. Um, the, the, and it was for um, it was for Girls Way. It's a whole different world. Okay. Uh, we shoot for a period of time, mm-hmm. meaning a few days. Uh, the entire crew is COVID tested before the run. We basically self quarantine. We're on set together, then we go home, and then we come back. So we're not going out and partying because nothing was open. Yeah. <laughs> Talent is tested uh, twenty four to forty eight hours. Depending now, it's twenty four hours. Before oh, it was wow. difficult to get tested that mm-hmm. fast. Right. Just like STI testing, things like that, we're taking it excessively seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, so talent is tested. So everyone there has been COVID tested prior to arriving on set. When we arrive, we get our temperature checked. I did the point to the head because that's we get our <laughs> temperature checked. Yeah. We, uh, we're all wearing masks. Talent stays in the – talent doesn't wear the masks because they're in makeup, so it's going to yeah. just mess them up. So they stay in the talent room until they're on set. Crew stays in the production area. We shoot in the same studio every time. And so okay. it's, you know, we, we have it all very, very safe. Our food craft wow. service is all bags of chips, all that kind of stuff. We don't, we have food delivered from a food delivery service and we all go off to our separate areas and have lunch. So I'm behind a camera eight feet away from them when I'm, yeah. when I'm shooting video and when I'm shooting stills, I may get the, be in, in the six foot zone, but you know, I mean, it's not for long. So, yeah. um, yeah. And so this last week we were out in the middle of nowhere, uh, <laughs> shooting two features for less cinema and Casey Calvert directed one movie and Eli Cross, uh, directed the other. And we were at a house literally in the middle of the woods, out in the middle of nowhere, where we had all been COVID tested and we stayed either on set or we were in Airbnbs in this town that literally opens up, it seems like, at 11 a.m. and closes at 5 p.m. Oh, so, wow. <laughs> so Carla actually is a caterer as well. Oh, on my top God. Of a major porn star, she is a caterer. That's her side business that has been for a number of years. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, catered uh, catered uh, the entire shoot for uh, six days of shooting, two meals a day, and uh, made some very, very happy crew and performers. Incredible. So, yeah, there's lo- been lots and lots of different changes yes. uh, and, yeah, procedures that obviously need to be done in order to keep the talent, the crew, and everyone safe. So yes. that's really interesting to hear. I'm so glad to hear the precautions are being taken. I mean, and so far uh, we've only had it happen once that I can recall where we had to cancel a day okay. because the talent was not going to be, or the talent had to cancel for some reason it was not COVID. Whatever reason had to cancel um, the day of with this scenario, they have to be tested 24 hours beforehand. Right. There was no way to replace the talent. Right. We all went home. So actually, it's happened twice now. It was <laughs> days canceled because um, we had one girl. She woke up not feeling well. Most yeah. likely, it, she she was throwing up. From what I understand, that's not a huge COVID system, you, symptom. Like symptom. And yeah. since there there are still other diseases and sicknesses. But based off that, if somebody is not feeling well, they are canceled. We right. cancel the shoot. We take zero risk. Yeah, absolutely. That's super comforting, Kira. Thank you so much for sharing that insight. Yep. <laughs> I guess we'll pivot again once more here as well because I want to shed some light and highlight the fact that you also have a podcast as well yes. called More With Mo, and they're conversations and interviews with basically all of your favorite porn stars, your friends, people you have had working relationships with, and I wanted to talk a bit about that, find out more as well, because you've actually spoken with a couple of people I've had in my show as well, including Samantha Mack and the wonderful Sultry Satara. So please, please, please tell us how you got started with that and why you want to start that. You're almost at like 300 episodes or something crazy yes. like that, which is nuts. <laughs> um. So uh, there was a, 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 a gentleman named Richard Avery who ran a podcast and website group and ran websites for girls uh, under the umbrella of Julie Land. Okay. He had done it for a number of years. He's a photographer. Um, I went on, oh, actually, I'm sorry. Uh, Ash Hollywood was uh, doing a podcast and my ex-girlfriend had gone in for an interview. Ash knew me and needed another episode. As podcasts go, sometimes you go, <laughs> hey, wait, there's somebody else here? Totally. Yes, he was getting interviewed. Um, <laughs> so she said, hey, do you want to do the podcast? And I said, sure. 
So I did, I did an episode and about a week later, Richard Avery hit me up and said, Hey, I really, really liked how you handled yourself on the podcast. I have never done anything with guys. My world is all girls. Yeah. Would you be interested in doing a podcast that is more than just porn that you want to talk to talent, guys, girls, whoever about more than just porn, get to know people better. And I said, this sounds like fun. I've never done anything like this. And again, I fell into this. Um, About a month later, we got together and I decided if I was going to start a show uh, that was uh, asking people to talk about more than just porn, then I would need to do the same thing. So I went through uh, the phone book and decided to call my ex-wife. And we had been divorced for uh, a good solid eight years by then, oh my ten years God. By then something like that probably yeah probably 10 years oh uh, and I said honey would you like to I didn't call her honey but we'll pretend I did because that <laughs> sounds it sounds like we were friendlier um so I said hey do you want to come on this podcast because she had never known me as the porn guy she doesn't call me by Mo Mo is Mo is my shortened name Mo has been my you know, nickname for a number of years. Mm-hmm. She only calls me by my full name and she goes, do I have to call you Mo? I was like, well, yeah, sadly you do. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I brought her on to talk about me before porn and what she thinks of the person that I've become now that I've been in porn. If we don't communicate that often. And so she did it. So from that point on, I did that and uh, interviewed some friends and then they evolved and did more porn stuff. At some point in time, not everybody has a story. Uh, When you have a 19-year-old who has been out of school a year, two years, who's been in porn for three and a half weeks, comes on your podcast, there's not a lot that you can talk about. So at some point in time, it ends up being all about porn. But... I mean, I've interviewed you know, Asa Akira when she yes. had her book that came out. Um, Serena Blair, who uh, was, uh, she's a girl-girl performer, but at the time she worked in, at a uh, bird uh, raptor rescue. Talk to her about that. Oh, wow. Jessica Drake about sex education. Um, you know, uh, just, any, uh, you know, uh, uh, Mika Tan uh, talking about cosplay. Right. You know, so I tried doing more and more of that. Um, yeah. And then uh, Richard decided after the 200th episode, <laughs> he was done. He, it, I was the last podcast that was around. Everybody else had moved on, girls retired, whatever. So he said, I'll go to 200 and I'm done. I was like, okay, cool. So we did it. And I took a year and a half off going, I don't I don't want to do this anymore. It's, it was fun, but it, it was a part. I was listening to a really, really, really bad interview on set. And I went over and gave the person some tips and said, why don't you ask about this, this, and this? And then I realized I actually like doing this. So uh, almost two years ago, January, so a year and nine months ago, uh, I brought back the podcast. Yay. Uh, uh, So I've done 79 episodes since the relaunch. So really the podcast has been going seven years or something like that. But I took took a year and a half off. That's incredible. (laughs) So my biggest thing is, is what I tell people before, the two things we don't talk about are religion or politics, because you can get that shit anywhere and let's have some fun. People want to get a break from that. And then uh, the other thing uh, is um, if I have to ask you what your favorite position is, we have officially lost the interview. (laughs) We can talk about how you love anal, but if the words, so... What's your favorite position comes out of my mouth. Just know you have given me nothing. So, <laughs> so far, since the relaunch, I have not had to ask. Thank God. Because I was like, I don't think you've asked those questions in the episodes that I've listened to. So <laughs> amazing. Be sure to check out his podcast, More With Mo. I'm going to put that in the show notes below. But last part of the episode here is obviously the Q&A portion. And there were a lot of questions that came in. Interestingly enough, most of it came from from males. <laughs> from uh, that's males. not surprising. So <laughs> numbers one through nine, no, you're never going to get into porn. <laughs> can I can I help you? No, no, no I cannot. <laughs> Let's get into it. So, question one: It's who is the coolest person you have ever shot? Wow, that part. Um, <laughs> I will give you. Th- there are so many people over the years that yeah. I've loved. So current, 
uh, time periods of people that I've been on set with numerous times in multiple capacities. Angela White is always um, somebody that I truly love being on set with. She's an amazing person. She's so professional. I've got to shoot video of her. I've done paperwork with her. I've done a little bit of everything. I have not performed with her. The three people I'm mentioning, none of them I have performed with. Okay. Um, so I think that's an also Akira is an amazing person. I performed yes. with her once. We've been we've known each other since she got into porn. Um, number two uh, would be Cherie Deville, um, okay. milf performer, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, the one thing that you will note of all three of these women is that they are so professional in what they do and so good at their job. Sharita Ville is an amazing woman. Uh, I love photographing her. I love filming her. I love being on set with her. Well, you know, we're friends. And so, you know, we've done comedy, we've done, you know, dinners, we've done that. And I, I love her. And lastly, I would say she is, she is, uh, she has become more of a friend over the past couple of years. Uh, but absolutely one of my favorite people is Abigail Mack. Okay. Um, she, uh, is, uh, she's fun. I, I, we kind of treat each other like, um, kid brother and sister type things at times <laughs> where if she literally uh she's gonna love this if she is if she literally came over and farted next to me and giggled about it i would not be surprised at all um <laughs> so but no we uh you know i recently photographed her and she goes i want you to oh. come out and we'll do a shoot and it was her and carla and i said okay i'm cool with this are we gonna are, do i have to see you naked again she goes nope we're doing these fully clothed, Carla too. And I was like, I'm so happy to be doing a photo shoot where nobody's getting naked. <laughs> um, but yeah, she, she's an amazing, amazing individual. So those are three women that uh, I would be on set with and that can do no wrong uh, any, any day of the week. Super cool. Um, <laughs> the biggest, what is the biggest holy shit moment of your career? <laughs> okay. Do we want to do the serious one or the fun one or both? Both, obviously. Okay. So the most serious one happened, it has been just over a decade ago. Okay. And I walked in, and I'm not going to use any names uh, for these because it's, it's not fair, but a top, top porn star, we were working on a 10-day feature. We were on about day six. Uh, the, we There was only two sex scenes to go. Uh, no, I'm sorry, one sex scene to go. Uh, and she came to me and goes, Mo, um, I just got a text message. Uh, somebody has tested positive in the industry for HIV and they're going to be uh, shutting down for sex. Oh my God. We were still able to film non-sex. We were totally fine. Uh, her sex scene got postponed and we were able to finish the movie. And then once it does, but that was the first wow. time that I had ever had anybody uh, say, and I didn't realize this early in my career, HIV happens. Yeah. And the industry gets shut down. We go into a work hold until things can get worked out that was my first oh shit moment yeah of going wow this is a person out there and at the time i i know who ended up it, it ended up being but i didn't know at the time we know nothing we just kind of wait around and hope for the best right. unfortunately people the person did end up being contracted hiv um, uh on a on another set on another thing it affected us in no way so um Wow. That was probably my first oh shit moment in porn. And then the funny one, um, poop happens. <laughs> and yes, sometimes it it's, it's, so it's the oh shit moment. Um, Literally. One time this girl was trying to squirt and she was trying to squirt really hard and she didn't really need to squirt and she pushed really hard to squirt and a little poop came out <laughs> and it fell and it fell onto the other girl and all was good the other girl was completely professional the girl that it happened to she was mortified and we're all porn people going okay let's yeah. clean it up and get back to work yeah so that would be the fun uh poop happens <laughs> poop happens shit happens <laughs> yep. those are great stories um funniest story on set or weirdest story on set or both Uh, um, I mean, funny, funny is, I guess one thing that I would say in general on sets and to bring back poop because we're here, um, (laughs) for every, and the, the phrase that comes out of my mouth quite often on set is, but is you, you know, guys jerk off to you, right? And if they heard your conversations, they might not (laughs) in the makeup room, which if you're a porn fan, you don't want to go into because the girls... There is no edit button. Poop <laughs> comes up all the time. Girls have no problem talking about poop. And I just find it hilarious that I will walk in. Are we talking about poop again? <laughs> yes, we are. 
So uh, that I find as uh, funny, um, and it's just a general thing. This is life. We're all very open with our bodies. We're all very comfortable with our bodies. Um, you know, we're we're around this all the time, and I yeah. equate it to kind of like you know, if you were a ER doctor, not saying we're ER doctors, but if you, if I saw a gunshot wound, I would freak the fuck out. But there are ER doctors that this is the sixth one tonight that are going. Okay. Yeah. So in porn, I've seen it all. So it's just a lot more of, okay, that happens. As for weird, I don't really have, uh, I don't really have one that I can think of that would be a weird. Yeah. yeah, That makes sense. It's all weird. (laughs) It's all weird at some point, right? Yes. (laughs) I guess you kind of already answered this earlier in the episode, but do you get turned on by watching filming scenes or are you numb to it all? Um, the joke that I have, um, is, uh, if my penis was to actually move on a porn set, that means it's one hell of a fucking scene. We are there as a job. Uh, this is not the, um, this, we're, we're there to create porn. We see how it's made. We see the cuts, we see the stuff. So my job is to film something Yeah. much like the roadie who is working for, Wow, the only band I can think of, the Rolling Stones. (laughs) There are roadies, there are people who work on the Rolling Stones concerts and travel the world. They don't freak out every time they see Mick Jagger. They're not fanboying, girling every time they see the celebrity. At some point in time, it's just your job. The first time you see Mick Jagger on stage and you happen to be backstage doing your job, that's probably fucking amazing. The first Mm -hmm. year is probably amazing. Year 25, you're going... Hey, Mick, can you please fucking get on stage? We got to do this. You know what I mean? That's yeah. kind of what I equate porn to is, is I've seen it all. And do I, the girls, they're beautiful. I love the girls, but we're not on that. My job is not to get a hard on while watching this. Do I sometimes go, damn, that's hot. Yes. And will I tell the girls when I go through and go, that scene was hot. I actually liked it. The girls who know me are just shocked. They're like, oh my God, you like something. So, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> okay, so this next question actually came in a couple times. Like, three people asked this, so <laughs> they're probably civilians. But um, what is a stunt cock? Ah, uh, stunt cock. Um, <laughs> so I jokingly say stunt cock. Do I perform? I absolutely perform. Has my full body been on camera? Absolutely. Do I consider myself a performer? I do not. Right. Just because I I have probably 70 POV BJ scenes, numerous sex scenes that are around, you know, I've been in all sorts of stuff. I do not consider myself a performer, much like just right. because I direct, I'm not a director. I shoot camera. I'm not a cameraman. I identify as a photographer. That is something that I've done my entire career. I identify as a production manager because I can do paperwork. A stunt cock is kind of the person who steps in when you need them. When you shoot a POV BJ scene, the only thing you really need to be able to do is push a red button on the side of the camera, make sure you can see and hear it, and that your dick works for 10 to 12 minutes and you can ejaculate. It really (laughs) does not matter because it's all about the girl, what the guy is doing. Right. As long as you have a penis that looks good on camera and can do it, there you go. You have to be able to perform. Uh, So I consider that jokingly a stunt cock. (laughs) Briefly, and I will say the weirdest story uh, now that I just recalled and a stunt cock. Uh, (laughs) I was on a set many, many, many years ago, and it was on a bigger movie, and there was an issue with the male talent and female talent. The male talent was having erection issues. The female talent wanted to complete the scene and uh, was flying out the next day. Okay. Um, I was shooting for the company at the time for just POV BJ. Uh, the director came to me and said, Mo, is your test good? I said, yes. He said, do you have Viagra? I said, yes. I oh this is after a 14-hour day. He said, um, I have spoken with this performer, and this was a top performer of the time, and uh, she wants to finish this scene. We need some close-ups of a dick, and we need a pop shot. I said, <laughs> well... Okay, Uh, there's a few issues here. I'm a larger guy, meaning in build, meaning uh, I'm a fat guy. Um, I got the dad bod. The male talent does not have this. He is tan. I am pale. 
our penises look 100% different. <laughs> Just, I mean, I'm not, I'm not bragging, but I was doing good. Um, and so I'm like, okay. So I was like, cool. I cleared the room. I'm the production manager. Cleared the room except for the cameraman who has literally been doing this since birth. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he's a he legacy guy and I trust him. I said, okay, dude, let's, let's do this. The male talent is on a microphone on the other end of the room because you got to hear him, you know, and so you can't hear me. So I have to be quiet <laughs> and I'm fucking her. And all it is is literally close up of penis in vagina in two <laughs> positions. And then I had to, it was a close up on her ass, come out, jerk off and pop on her butt. Cool. <laughs> so I go and do this, but I'm kind of going, okay, this is out of, I didn't know this was going to happen. So she takes yeah. me to the bathroom and blows me for a little bit to kind of get things closer because okay. this was not fun. There was nothing fun about this. This was a job. I got to yeah. put my penis into a girl thrust for about 30 seconds and then change position. There was no whatever. So um, <laughs> she took me in and it took two attempts of blowjob and then to run out and jerk to pop. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and I finally did it uh, somewhere. That scene is on DVD uh, <laughs> and it made it out there in the real world. Um, and so I am not credited, but I was okay. gonna ask. <laughs> that, that is officially what a stunt cock is. It's the person. It's just like a stunt person. The celebrity isn't doing the action. The stunt person comes in and does the, does the hard part, if you will. <laughs> and in this case, that's what it was. So that, that would be a stunt cock. And I, uh, I self, uh, I self identify as that from time to time. I like that. <laughs> that's a great answer. Thanks for that amazing story. Another question here. So penile implants, how com- how common are they now in the industry? Penile implants. Um, to my knowledge, I don't know how many, I work more now with girl, girl stuff. I've worked in boy, girl for many years. Uh, there are various ways that guys get their dicks hard. I know of in my, that I can think of one person verified that does have an implant. Overall, I would say there's other ways of, I just outed myself and said, I used Viagra in a scene. I was a production manager who had been working on a set for 14 hours that got thrown into the last second to go do this. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I'm going to go yeah. pop a Viagra because this big name girl, my dick's getting hard for her. <laughs> so it's like, we're making this happen. We do the job. Um, but uh, listen, some male talent have absolutely no issues whatsoever. Younger guys, great. You're young. You can get hard easily. I'm 43. I can get hard. I, it's, when I'm working with my girlfriend, not a problem. When I'm working with friends in a comfortable situation, why the fuck not? Yeah. If I'm under pressure and I don't want to fail and I don't want to make the girl work too hard, I'll take some Viagra. So there's Viagra, there's Caverjack, which I don't like needles, but where you can eject into your penis to get a hard on. This was meant more for people who are unable to do to lower extremities not working at all. You know, people in wheelchairs. From what I understand, this is, I am not a doctor. Mm -hmm. Um, So Viagra, Caverjack, as for penile implants, I only know of one person. I uh, personally uh, would probably just walk away from the whole situation if I had to have a penile implant, but that's just me. <laughs> Great I would answer. go, nope, I'm good. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> um, I guess it's more opinion-based because I, I feel like this person might have thought that you were based in Canada, but um, why aren't there many big production companies in Canada and why is the porn industry lacking in Canada? Okay, I'm not going to out the adult industry, um, <laughs> but my rent uh, is exclusively paid by Canadians. Uh, the Canadian porn industry is enormous. Yes. Off the top of my head, three major companies, including MindGeek, Gamma, and Minivids, yeah. I believe Vixen has offices, all have offices based out of Montreal, Montreal. Uh, possibly Toronto. Yeah. They just don't film much there. It all comes here. So there's right. a huge Canadian companies. They just don't film there. So right. I don't know why they choose not to film there. It, I know it happens, um, you know, and Samantha Mack, she's from, you know, she's from the West Coast yeah. uh, and she's her own little powerhouse. Um, the San Fernando Valley has always kind of been the kind of hub in the U.S. or the or North America. Mm-hmm. Uh, Florida is also a hub, but yeah. not as big. Uh, Vegas also happens. So I, I'm, I'm assuming if they could get the talent 
And I know some talent has flown to Montreal for companies. Right. Um, it's just not a major thing there. Uh, I'm guessing the Canadian company things, there has to be something with finances to yeah. make that worthwhile. Right. Um, so yes, uh, I, I apologize. There's not as many Canadians, uh, but there are definitely Canadian girls in the industry. Yes. Uh, I'm not outing them in case they're not wanting to be known as Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> Quite frankly, right now, I'd probably prefer to be thought of as Canadian, but they're very very nice people uh, who create a very fine syrup. (laughs) We we certainly do. (laughs) There you go. Lots of benefit from there. And I guess the last question here, how has the treatment of female talent changed from when you first got into the business? Okay. Um, I have had... Uh, the the privilege of working for some of the best companies in adult. So I'm going to start off there. I've worked with Adam and Eve. I've worked on set with Adam and Eve, Wicked, Girls Way, Penthouse. Um, while every company at some point in time has issues, every, every everybody over decades of being in stuff, those companies are well-respected. I've not worked for the tiny companies where, you know, Girls are flown in from the middle of nowhere, do two scenes and shipped back off somewhere. And you may never see the content. I've, I've never worked on that thing. Right. Um, we've always had contract girls that I worked with. Okay. Be it early on with Brie Olson and Caden Cross, uh, Ashlyn Brooke of Written New Sensations, to Electra Blue, Stormy Daniels, um, Jessica Drake, Asa, Alexis Texas. I mean, we've always had the thing and you have to, when you're dealing with a company's contract girl, your, the level of your set has to be top of the game. So, um, we've always, and I always have been coming from mainstream, tried to be as respectful to the talent as possible. Right. I am not known as an overly nice person when I'm a production manager. My job is to work for a director and get us from point A to point B in a timely manner. Right. So if there's a girl who's like, I just want to smoke weed and do this. No, no, I'm sorry. My title today is fun killer. Go (laughs) do your job. You didn't bring the wardrobe that was requested. You know what? A 19 year old girl may look at me as dad telling her she did a bad thing, but really it's the production manager saying you didn't come to your job equipped to do your job. So as for how talent is treated, um, I think over the years, now that talent has more opportunities in other areas uh, to to do things, they don't aren't aren't as uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Not required to are are not forced to only work for companies. So it's not like they're forced to be on set all the time. Whereas previously they didn't have any other options. So you had to go work for companies that may not have treated you the best, you know, when you show up and there's no douches and there's no water and, or there's two bottles of water for three people, you know, in a shitty hotel room in the middle of nowhere, you know, whatever. Um, But I think talent has learned um, that they do have value and that they should be treated. And I absolutely 100% agree. Um, when I early on, uh, the days of people getting blowjobs in the bathroom on set, where you or directors banging people, where it'd be like a stunt cock, where the guy couldn't do it, the director would step in to make sure that the girl could still get paid. That yeah. kind of stuff happened early, early on in my career, mm-hmm. but that has not been the case in in uh, in my experience in a number of years. Right. Uh, so I th- I think the talent is treated uh, well. For me, how I do it is uh, the people that I'm comfortable with and that I'm friendly with, um, you know, it's a, it's a more relaxed atmosphere when it's, right. you know, you get to know me, we have a good time, but I'm pretty much known as a person that is, tries to keep things as professional as possible. Um, and if I appear to not be in a good mood, that means that things are not going the way they should. So, right. but I try and it doesn't, it doesn't matter who the talent is, um, or crew members, even I try and treat with everybody with respect and in the crews that I work with, um, I find that that, that happens. So. Awesome. Look at that political answer. I know. I was going to (laughs) say. Great. Well, that was the last question. But, Uh, yeah, I know. Like, we made it. (laughs) I was like, holy shit. Before I let you go, like, where can we find you, though? Currently in my Lego storage unit in my apartment. 
Um, but you can find me on, wow, I feel like I'm doing the end of my podcast. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I am um, Mo X or Mox, as some people over the years have called me, uh, because <laughs> at Mo wasn't available 12 years ago on Twitter. Uh, I also identify as the average Mo. Um, so on Instagram, I am the average Mo. Snapchat, I'm on there. I'm on a few different things, uh, Avian Stars. My podcast is More With Mo. It's available on SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Um, you can see me on Carla Lane's OnlyFans from time to time. If you've seen my penis, you know, feel free to say hi. I ended up, uh, I sometimes end up on cam uh, with the girls. So I do that. Um, but yeah, so that's basically, that's basically all my stuff there. That was incredible. And I will definitely be plugging in all those links everything in the show notes below if you haven't seen it already but i just want to thank you again mo for taking the time every day after many technical difficulties we made it <laughs> uh, luckily i do a podcast so i totally understand how this goes <laughs> we made it and i'm so sad because we didn't even get to talk about your lego collection but <laughs> oh wait 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 no real quick i have about i would guess right now in my apartment about two hundred thousand. dollars it's <laughs> amazing there we go that's insane <laughs> we'll leave it at that but again guys don't forget new episodes every single sunday it's strip by sia my instagram is strip by sia or get at me at my personal one it's sia stuff and we'll catch you guys in for another episode next sunday same time same place wherever you get your podcast and that's pretty much it signing off thanks mo listening to strip by sia hosted produced and edited by steph sia artwork by maria bellandrama music by ted d and photography by ian davern